Welcome to another exciting episode of The Nuclear View, a weekly podcast of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, where we want to advance peace, promote stability, and remind you to think deterrence. The views of the guests are their own. Welcome back to another exciting episode of The Nuclear View, a podcast of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, where, as always, we encourage you to think deterrence. Now, today on The Nuclear View, we are going to talk about something that happened here very, very recently. And, of course, you probably have already heard about this. So, on Tuesday, the 21st of February, Russian President Vladimir Putin spoke before the Duma in his State of the Nation address And in that address, he told the nation and the world that he and the Russian Federation would no longer be participating in the requirements for the New START Treaty. He was suspending participation. This is not a withdrawal from the treaty. It's not a withdrawal. It's a suspension of participation, which... We'll have to talk about that exactly, you know, is is this semantic, is this substantive? But, uh, and it's funny, and of course, I've got Jim Petrosky and Curtis McGiffin chomping at the bit to weigh in on this, but it's, it's a funny thing considering that by and large, the Russians have not been complying. They've been in material breach of the treaty for two and a half years now, over two and a half years, almost through, I guess it's maybe three years now. So it's a topic we need to discuss. So let's do that now. Let me, Curtis has got, he's at the, he's at the mic and he's ready to go. Curtis, I'm going to turn it to you first. Well, thanks, Adam and Jim. Good to see you. Um, Wow. What a unique time to live in Uh, and to be someone who is thinking about these kinds of things, nuclear deterrence, nuclear strategy, grand strategy, all the things that this sort of plays along with. Um, you know, we, 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 just to recap very quickly, you know, we're also about the time of the one-year anniversary of the Ukrainian invade of the invasion of Ukraine. I guess a better way to say it. And uh, uh, and so there's a lot of things we've seen sort Curtis, of in my Curtis, Yes, I, I need to correct you there. It's Ukraine was not invaded. It was a special military operation to uh, free, liberate the Ukrainian people from the Nazis in control of the country. Just, just to clarify, that's what that's what took place. So go ahead. Okay, go tomato, ahead. tomato. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we we saw the sort of the 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 you know failure of deterrence and what failure of deterrence means. Um, and now we are seeing the failure of arms control. Uh, and this is a uh, sort of a lot has happened in this space in the, in, in the last 12 months uh, that should uh, aw- uh, awaken all of the things that we think about in this respect. Now, so let's talk about so Adam, you and I have already drafted an article for this that should be coming out tomorrow. Uh, on real clear defense, we hope. Uh, And so we will ask the listeners uh, to go take a look at that. It'll already be out by the time this podcast is released. Um, But to, uh, to go out there and and check it out. 
but essentially, uh, President Putin has, as you as you said, suspended uh, the treaty. Now there was some subsequent conversation that came out later, uh, some damage control, if you will, uh, where Putin supposedly had said, "Oh, but I intend to stay uh, to to comply with the fifteen hundred and fifty uh, warhead restrictions and the seven hundred uh, launcher restriction and so forth that is of the treaty." Um, and, uh, okay. Uh, was it, wasn't that, that the same argument that Joseph Stalin made when he made a, uh, when he and Adolf Hitler agreed, uh, to a non-aggression pact, uh, in what was that? 1930, sure. 38, 39. I forget when they made that right. pact, but I think that's the same thing he said then. So it's probably really quite trustworthy. So, yes. And and uh, as we know, uh, uh, Putin is uh, his his uh, not shown to be a very trustworthy individual uh, in regard to this this geopolitical problem. And so um, I, I think we're at a we're at a position here now where the United States is going to have to decide what now. And uh, and this is a big problem, unfortunately, for the administration, because the what now question means possibly doing things that they don't want to do. Um, and, and a lot of it will address uh, where do we move forward uh, with regard to do we need to change our nuclear force posture because we need to anticipate that the Russians have already done that um, or, or what. So we have to ask ourselves as listeners, why all of a sudden did Putin say, yet? I'm not going to comply with this treaty right now, uh, or I'm going to and by via suspension, and uh, and 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 hope that you believe when I say. But I'm going to stick with. Uh, here's my promise that I will uh, abide by all the other things. You just can't come and do the verification inspection process, which he's not been allowing us to do now for several years. So you have to ask yourself: A, what is he hiding that he doesn't want us to know about, and um, and B, what is it that he is not afraid of anymore? Uh, because he's got to assume that we would say, okay, well, we're going to suspend it too, which we haven't said yet, by the way. Um, but what if President uh, Biden comes out tomorrow and says, well, we're going to go ahead and suspend the process, the, the, the treaty as well? Um, that doesn't seem to be in the fear factor uh, of, um, of Putin. He's not afraid of that. Isn't this you know, for you as well, Jim, I mean, you're probably more familiar with the technical components of treaty compliance in inspections and in that if Vladimir Putin says we're going to suspend the treaty or treaty participation, then we're not doing anything either. So it's not like they're denying us and we're allowing them to come inspect it. Nobody's getting inspected. So it doesn't really matter whether uh, President Biden wants to say, you know, we'll we'll continue to comply. The treaty's suspended. Yeah, well, and so well, it, we're going to stop doing something we're not doing. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I agree, Adam. That is the issue. Is we, you know, the, being able to enforce the treaty, and and I want to, you know, it, being able to enforce the treaty is fairly straightforward in that you can provide access. To what you're doing, etc. That's a part of it. 
but um, I don't think there's any technical limitations. We certainly can go in, look at what's going on, make an assessment what's happening. That's what the treaty's about. I think it's more, though, and I'm, I'm going to point it back to Curtis here, is what are we stopping doing? We're, we're going to stop doing something we haven't been enforcing for a while. And uh, and so I think that's a piece of it. But I'm going to I'm going to draw up my inner Ronald Reagan again and say, hey, Vladimir, there you go again. You're using your nuclear weapons to try to get us to do something by drawing out of a treaty that we weren't doing anything on anyway. So what is what is really happening here? What is the big fear factor on our behalf? And then what is the big fear factor on Vlad's behalf or the Russian behalf? And what is the expected outcome? Because my understanding was the deterrence, the nuclear deterrence, is to keep nuclear wars from occurring. And they're doing exactly that. They haven't stopped the conventional war. And that's the issue that we need to look at and say, were we postured to do that? So let me throw that back your way. That for me. That's for you, Curtis, because you brought it up. <laughs> so uh, I would argue that these are two different things. I think the primary purpose that Putin did this, uh, again, I'll go back, is a sort of it's a twofold thing. One was an opportunity, and the second is a CYA. So the opportunity was, you know, note the day that he, he gave this speech was about the same time. Uh, was the same time that President Biden shows up in Kiev to to uh, show you know the Western commitment to the Ukrainian fight um, and wave the uh, the American flag so to speak uh, and then go over to Poland and give um, a speech uh, in, in, to, to to the NATO allies and so this was a way for for Putin to sort of overshadow the news cycle uh, on on President Biden. Um, and so to that, I say, well played, uh, uh, you know, at the risk of sounding like I'm some sort of, uh, uh, you know, pro-Russian advocate, big, big fanboy here. Uh, but the point is, is that, uh, you know, well played in that regard. But I think the second part of this is, is that he has no intention of letting inspections occur. Uh, and I think it's because he's, he's done things in violation of the treaty and he does not want to be caught. He's already been declared a material breach. That is enough heat, international heat, uh, that he's willing to take on the nuclear side of this, at least for now. Um, and so I think what he doesn't want is for U.S. inspectors to show up and find that they've uploaded warheads uh, and that they have uh, run more uh, tells out of garrison or, or and, and, and done other things, not to mention the, the list of, of treaty violations that we already know that they're doing that they just, you know, continue to deny, Kurt, you know, these really aren't those things sort of Curtis, if I can, uh, um, the, the issue though I see is it's giving up nothing and gaining everything in this declaration because of exactly what you said, we've given up the fact that you say there's, there's cheating in the treaty that there, the treaty is not even being enforced. So we're going to, suspend our operation to get a reaction at the expense of what no continuing to do the violations or whatever else i see such such you know it's our reaction should be such that we say okay you've suspended now now what what's the end game the end game is to keep you from 
A, using nuclear weapons, that's the ultimate goal, and B, continue to pressure you because it's not going to change any other action or maybe may even advance actions in NATO and adding to NATO partners and NATO strength as we look at this fall away. So we've got to turn his gain in the news cycle to a loss in the international cycle uh, on this process. Uh, I, I just, I think it's one of those things where you're, you're giving up nothing and you're gaining something or we're allowing that to happen. Okay. You dropped out of a treaty that you weren't following and we weren't enforcing. Okay. Let's now use our advantage here. That's, that's my take. So Jim, I, I hear, I understand completely what you're saying and I don't disagree with your assessment there. <clears throat> the trouble is, is that the United States, um, uh, continues to uh, to follow these treaties, even when we know that the that the partner, our dance partner, is in violation of them. Again, it takes two to tango in a treaty. We are doing a strip tease right now, and so we have to stop this dance on our own and realize that it that we we got to get them. You know, they've got to be uh, back in this dance. They have to want to be in this dance. They have to want to be a party, and they and they it clearly don't. And so what we have gained out of this is the world realizes uh, once again that Russia is not serious about peace and stability with regard to arms control. And yes. the challenge that has now been given or the opportunity, and from my perspective, that has been given to us is we ought to consider uh, – we ought to at very least suspend from our perspective the New Star Treaty as well. And we ought to do – we ought to make very clear uh, motions uh, to begin uh, to – we ought to publicly uh, 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 name and shame what we think he's done, and then we ought to announce plans that we're going to match them, that we ought to begin the process of, of, uh, of, of remerving um, our, our systems. We ought to be dusting off those TLAMNs well, and, uh, and, and getting them deployed. So I'm going to – I'm going to tell you that I think that while your position may be the the right position, it's an impractical position for the United States because the United States has allowed itself to be uh, between a rock and a hard place in its ability to expand the arsenal in this very kind of an instance. So, for example... Uh, many of our friends in the disarmament community will always point to the fact that they'll say, well, you know, America has over 4,000, you know, nuclear weapons. But what they don't realize is, you know, we have about 1550-ish, you know, unique counting rules under New START. And to go from that 1550 to our, to bring our reserve warheads back into the active stockpile, would take years because those reserve warheads are missing components and the components they're missing are ones that are not easily replaced. And so if we want to remerve, for example, those specific components that we have to return to those warheads and, and the, the data, you know, would take, it would take about three years to bring those warheads back to being full up rounds. So it'd take about three years to do that. And then if we wanted to bring, you know, TLAM in, let's say bring TLAM in back, 
returning those warheads uh, to you know the active stockpile would also take years. So even if we wanted to, we don't have the capacity to do it in any kind of, of timely manner. So for the United States, I wonder if our best option is to basically, you know, we're kind of like in a, in a relationship where our partner wants to break up and we're begging them not to. And we're just hoping and we're saying, I'll, but I'll change, but I'll change, but I'll change. And we're hoping they'll come back to us because, you know, if they go away, then, you know, like we got to move out of the shared, the shared flat or, you know, it's, it's going to be a bad, it'll be bad for the U.S. because we don't have the capacity to, if we wanted to build new warheads with new pits, we can't build 80 pits a year. The Russians can build a thousand, they can manufacture a thousand pits a year or thereabouts, close to. We can't make 80. And if we wanted to, you know, the tritium requirements, the GTS requirements, the gas transfer systems, all this stuff is hard. And we don't have an industrial capacity to do it at the speed we need to do it. So maybe our best option is just to uh, essentially ignore what the Russians are doing, continue to pretend that we're all abiding by the treaty, tell Vladimir Putin, well, we, we know this is a difficult time for you. And, and you know, we, we hope that you'll come back to the to the treaty. So, and so that's Adam, where I, we are. I, I, so I, I disagree, first of all, with the, the view, the view. I don't think I don't think we're in a relationship and we're trying to break up. I go back to Curtis's idea. We've got a dance partner and one person's leading and we're sticking shackles on our ankles trying to keep up. And I think the difference is when someone says, well, we're now going to just start dancing faster and ignore you. I think we reach down, take off the shackles and say, time, you're, you're going to get a response that you don't want. And the response is instead of us reducing capability, we show that we can spin up. And I think as Americans, we have the wherewithal to do that. We just have to have the political and the and the national interest to do that. And that's that will, remember, deterrence is not just having the ability, but the will to apply it. We have to show Russia that they've changed our will and they've changed our culture. So if you keep playing activities like this, we will continue to change our activities. And that is taking those shackles off. I know, I, I know, and hopefully Don Austin's listening because in uh, episode nine, he talked about these uh, treaties and I've never been a part of them. So I can talk about them maybe with a little bit of ignorance and saying that in the treaty, everyone has to win. And if everyone doesn't win, then you don't bring your dance partner there. And I think the people that are losing in some of these treaties is us. Because we have the capability to spin up if we just put our minds and wills to it. And remember, we built an entire program around building nuclear weapons in, in the heat of the battle with no one ever doing it before in four years. So let's right the ship and move along. And if Vladimir doesn't like that idea, then maybe he'll come back to the table and ask us to play. That's the way I see it. I'm you know, pretty hawkish on this idea. And remember, oh, then the last piece. It's not all nuclear. 
because Vladimir Putin now has lost the moral high ground by pulling out first. Thank you, Vladimir Putin, for doing that for us. Now that you've pulled out first, we should respond because you've lost the moral high ground. And that's the piece. I mean, if we had pulled out first, like Curtis said, then world condemnation. Oh, you guys are going to you know, do this. But we're not there anymore. They've, they've suspended. So now we can say, okay, that's the way you would play. We now have the moral high ground to say we have to protect ourselves. Yeah, my two cents. All right, Jim, as usual, a brilliant assessment there. Um, I, I, your point is, is uh, well delivered. Will, right, is the other part of this mathematical equation of deterrence, capability times will. If, and this goes back to my original statement of the challenge of the American, of what America is going to do tomorrow, right? What, then what? And, uh, and, and so if, if the country is focused, that we determine that we have a threat, that the threat has changed, that past policies um, and, and, and idealistic tendencies are no longer uh, supported by the current uh, situation, then we as a will have to change our priorities. And, uh, and if you throw, you know, it's America, right? We throw enough money at a problem, we'll fix it. So, uh, so I think that we can reconstitute these warheads very quickly and, uh, and get going. And if we wanted to do more than uh, 80 pits a year, I would imagine we could find a way to do it. We could ask the South Koreans to do it uh, since they're getting ready to, to maybe do them anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but in any case, um, I think that's uh, absolutely correct. And, uh, and, and so the point is now is, uh, and, and, and to Adam's point, even if it did take a couple of years, the simple announcement the funding, this, the laying out of plans and strategies, the Congress appropriations, all of those are strategic communications that tell Putin right away, oops, I stepped in it and I have just awoken the sleeping giant uh, and uh, I'm now going to have, I'm gonna, once again, I'm going to create something that I didn't want to do, um, like, you know, have Finland and Sweden join NATO. Um, you know, I want to, I didn't want America, uh, to, to become more of a nuclear power than it already is. Uh, and so, uh, again, this is where I think, uh, that we can, uh, take advantage of this utilizing the moral high ground that you mentioned and be able to, to reinstate a more stable deterrence, uh, as we move forward, uh, if you will, and, and, and make lemonade out of these, out of these lemons. The problem is I'm not convinced that this administration is willing, uh, has the will, big W, to do that. I don't know if it's the administration as much as it is. I'm not sure the American people see this as particularly problematic. I would still say there are more people that that are upset over the fact that Gabby left on week five of The Bachelor and it was an emotional departure for Zach. There's more people that care about that than that care about, you know, the fact that Vladimir Putin suspended New Start. So all of it's all well and good. I mean, I'll be the serious engineer here since Jim wants to be the uh, the hawk, and <laughs> we have an industrial capacity that's lacking. Our we can't, you know. Lanel is not getting its pit manufacturing process up and running as rapidly as it needs to. Savannah River's in the midst of a multi-billion dollar 
you know, construction process to build the facilities it needs to build its 50 pits a year. Not to mention the fact that we can't find and retain the talent, whether it's engineer, scientist, or skilled labor. And we can't, even if we wanted to go into mass manufacturing, we don't have the talent and the labor that can do it. They simply can't be bought. And so I worry that America of today is not America of 1941. And where we're so distracted by, you know, whether how many, you know, how many views of my, you know, uh, TikTok video do I have? As opposed to, you know, how do I, you know, get this job doing, you know, milling, you know, milling uh, metals for, you know, nuclear weapons or whatever else these, you know, the many, many skills that we need. Because that's the biggest problem in NSA and the MNO contractors have is they got to find the talent, then they got to retain the talent, and they're just short. Like they can't even complete their building projects because they can't find the electricians and the plumbers and the carpenters that are required to build those facilities. But Adam, Adam I, while you're, while you're U S bashing, cause I know that's what you do all the time, but I, <laughs> you know, I've, I've been out talking to people. I actually last week had a talk with a, a, a young man in a university as electrical engineer. And he is the, the reason he went to school is because he wants to help this country and make us better. Awesome. And there are people out there just waiting to do that. And it's one of the things that I think we as an organization, the National Institute for Deterrent Studies, by the way, uh, I think we're beholden to. And I think there's more than than a few people out there and enough to do this. We just have to know and our, our uh, uh, excuse me, we just have to build the understanding and the awareness of the value of that workplace and the professionalism and the, the sheer desire to do the good thing for the need of the country. It's a cultural change. I'm not disagreeing with you, Adam, but I will say it's time to do it now. And this is the wake up call and we better wake up and do that. And these things that you're talking about can be righted but we have to write them in, in a good way. Our listeners out there need to look at what's happening. I'm sort of happy that the news cycle is showing these things instead of hiding them. I'm more worried about the sort of the interim, like at the top, they get it at the bottom. Many people get it. it's the interim. It's the piece in the middle. It's like the ship, you know, the rudder you can turn and the, the water's in the front, but the whole ship in the middle has to move. And that's the hard part that we need to work with. And I think we can get there. I mean, look, look what happened after 9-11. And I know some of it was short term, but the country just pulled together and started working in the right direction. And I wished we had maintained that momentum. We didn't, but we could. I, I want to catch one other thing here that you touched on, Adam, before you go jumping in. I see you <laughs> on the, in the podcast, we see each other. But one other piece that I was really impressed with, and I can't remember, I wish I could remember the article I read about a week and a half ago, several of our military leaders were talking about the incredible logistic burden put on us in manufacturing and developing and innovating. And I can't say enough, it's not just a skilled workforce but it's getting the bureaucratic administrative oversight out of the way like we did in the Manhattan Project and solving problems. And that we need quality, focused leadership 
to be able to do that. And if Putin saw that, he would back off. That's my opinion. I mean, could you imagine today Enrico Fermi building his pile at the University of Chicago? That would that would never happen today because of the environmental requirements that are put in place to do anything of that kind of nature. And so our system is as yep. you know, as it's you know, grown, it's become this behemoth. And so I did an acquisition study uh, a few years ago for the Air Force. And essentially we were told, go figure out what's wrong with acquisition and tell us how to fix it. So we went out and we looked. And in the 10 years prior to us launching our analysis, there had been 156 acquisition studies conducted. We didn't actually do a new acquisition study. We just looked at the ones that had been done because they had already pointed out what was wrong. We know how to fix it. We just don't do it. And we need the not, leadership. I'm not sure Vladimir Putin is going to spur Americans to put their their smartphones down and, you know, start marching on the Capitol to demand acquisition reform Be careful. and reasonable, <laughs> you know, and reasonable environmental, you know, standards such that we can get things done because the labs have, you know, the, they have, they are the safest places in the country except for maybe cyber because the Chinese seem to steal a lot from them. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's not where they're the best, but, but they're really safe places in the manufacturing and the science that they perform. Oh, absolutely the best. But h- how do we ramp up in any sort of a timely fashion? That's what I'm not sure how we do. And and I think you're, you, you mentioned your study. Well, first of all, we have now at least some motivator that's getting some public traction because people see the news cycle and what's going on. So again, that starts it. The second piece, because I, 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 be honest with you, I'm not sure many, many in America see the, the the threat that just the invasion of Ukraine has caused. But when they start seeing the Russia-China collusion in order to maintain that, that's a different story because that looks a lot bigger than what people thought. That may get some attention. And that's our starting point. And we need to seize that. Not because I want something to happen. It's because I don't want something to happen. I'd rather quell it now and get back on the other business of playing around with my cell phone, et cetera. You know, Curtis, we are just about out of time. So I'm going to give you the last word on this episode. <laughs> I love getting the last word. Okay. So, you know what, you guys are, are, you are way smarter than I am on the technical side of what we can and can't do when it comes to reconstituting warheads as a strategist. I just know what I want or what I need in order to to try to kick, uh, to ensure we have a stable uh, deterrent. But there are a couple things we can do immediately, right? And one of those things is we could put bombers back on alert, utilizing weapons that we actually do have in storage. Very true. Okay. And, and they're ready to go. And we could do that tomorrow um, and disperse them and, uh, and begin to train. And we can message... Um, that, hey, suspending the treaty is not a good thing to do. Um, and, uh, and these are some things that we could do right away that we ought to be 
getting out. This is an incremental thing, uh, and certainly incremental is good. You know, you can you have some opportunities to sort of message and see how he reacts, message a little more, see how he reacts. By the time we get there, hey, we got some warheads we can start uploading again. I'll also remind everybody that the last warhead was downloaded in 2014. So they're not that old. And the government moves very slowly. My guess is they're just finally getting around to looking at those <laughs> after eight years. <laughs> so we might just be able to put them back on the cart and run them right back out to the uh, to the uh, missile sites. And like, let's upload some of them. Let's do, but we've got to do something proactive to say that we are not going to be pushed around and we are not going to go ahead and continue to tolerate this. Because here's what I would say to everybody who's listening. If we ignore this behavior, like the suspension of a, of the, of a treaty that the, is the caliber of New START, of which, full disclosure, I think is a bad treaty, but it is the only treaty we have at a strategic level. Uh, if we're going to ignore the other member of that treaty's suspension and just sort of pretend like nothing's going on and trust that the one individual who's killing civilians in the Ukraine is someone that we should continue to trust with uh, that they're not going to violate the treaty, even though they've suspended and, and are not allowing us to verify. Um, I think that is bad. It's bad for the arms control world uh, and it belittles the entire process. Uh, and so we have to regain control over this. And the only way to do that is to instill a little fear back in to, to Putin, who clearly does not fear us right now when it comes to this. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't have done what he did. And so we've got to remind him that we still have some sabers to rattle. Let's do that in a sense, okay, um, to, to make him understand that there are consequences of this behavior. Because here's what I'll let, leave you with. If it is, if, if treaties like this, if uh, the idealists out there are going to try to tell us that treaties like this stabilize the world, then you need to assume that this action destabilizes the world. And to, to say that it doesn't flies in the face of their arguments. So we must do take deliberate actions to bring that compliance back in order. You just can't hope. Hope is a bad strategy. And so we must take ownership of that. Our, Adam, back all to All right. You. Thanks, Curtis. Thanks to Jim Petrosky, Curtis McGiffin. Of course, I'm Adam Wilder. You have been listening to The Nuclear View which is every episode is a podcast of the National Institutes of Deterrent Studies where we encourage you to always think deterrence.